Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down there. We will touch on our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will look at the NBA, and we will have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTimeSports. That is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast if you enjoy what you have heard or have been hearing so far on the show. Um, a little bit of a little bit of news. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit any questions, we, we're going to start doing a mailbag segment uh, soon. So if you guys have any questions or want to be a guest on the show, uh, reach out on one of those handles at me. Um, I'm DMable as well. Uh, so definitely do that. But let's get right into the show. And I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. We have an absolutely packed show. As always, we are loaded. It's NFL season. It's starting to heat up. We've got uh, college football happening with their Heisman finalists and their award shows, um, bowl selection and things like that. Bowl season is about to start. Exciting time in college football. Um, college basketball ramping up. We got some buzzer beaters. We've had unfortunate injuries. Um, you know, we got all kinds of things happening. The NFL, obviously, we've, we're ramping towards the playoffs. The NBA is really starting to pick up, getting towards that Christmas date, that Christmas Day date, where the, I believe, and a lot of people outside of the NBA tight knit community believe the season really starts at Christmas. Um, and so we're starting to get to that point. You know, uh, we're starting to get to a lot of different areas in sport where we're right there. Um, in terms of getting the season really getting ramped up, like I said, in the NBA, college basketball, stuff like that, because uh, I haven't even started conference in college basketball, or it is the NFL where you're barreling towards figuring out who's the one seed, who's in, who's out, um, and that sort of thing, about five weeks remaining um, in this season, the NFL season. And we're going to start off um, first with a little bit of sad news. I- I'm sure you guys have heard um, former Denver Broncos, great um, Demarius Thomas unfortunately passed away uh, yesterday at 33. Um, you know, he retired, man, not so long ago. It might have been this calendar year, you know, tired from the NFL. Um, all-time great Bronco, all-time great person ever. Um, his community efforts and things of that nature have been well discussed today by former teammates people that never played on his team but ran into him heard about his charitable donations talk about the smile he had the person he was um the outpouring of love from the nfl community and the media community alike um exemplifies the kind of person that demarius thomas um was um and it feels so weird to speak about him in past tense um and i said 33 uh, as far as we know currently it was natural causes. Um, it was a medical condition, potentially. Um, family, I've, I read somewhere, I thought that the family said it might have been a seizure of some sort. Um, but all around, sad situation. However it was, or whatever the cause of uh, his passing was, a generally sad situation. Um, 
broke right in the middle of the Thursday night game, um, which turned out to be a, a, a showdown, a, a spectacular. But um, I just wanted to start off the show by um, remembering Demarius Thomas. Um, the play that jumps out, obviously, is the Tim Tebow play. You know, it's the Tebow, ironically, against the Steelers. First play in overtime, playoff game, Tim Tebow's last meaningful snap in the NFL. I mean, he played the playoff game this week at the Patriots, but I'm saying his Tim Tebow's last great moment. Um, it was the moment to cap the ride that that season was. Um, and who'd he hit? Demarius Thomas. Um, baby Megatron, in a way. He followed right behind Calvin Johnson's footsteps at Georgia Tech. Um, and so just an all-time um, person, all-time level player, especially for the Broncos. Um, so I want, like I said, I want to start off the show with remembering um, Demarius Thomas and um, saying thank you to not only him uh, as a player, but as a person and uh, sending prayers and condolences to his family at this very, very difficult time. Um, again, Demarius Thomas passed away. I'm sure many of you know, all of you know, um, yesterday at 33. Um, if I find any more details, I will definitely share with you guys, of course. Um, but um, truly tragic situation. Um, like I say, it feels weird talking about him in the past tense. You know, it was, it's, it's odd. It feels very Kobe-ish when you find that Kobe passed saying was and you, you know, paying past tense words didn't feel right with Kobe. It didn't feel right right now with uh, DT as well. Um, but, um, yeah, definitely jarring um, last night. Um, you know, several players, Shannon Sharp, um, a lot of the Patriots' current players spoke very highly of him. Everybody that's spoken about him speaks about how great of a person he was and highlighted his smile. Um, so that is um, very tough right now for the football community in general. Uh, the passing of Demarius Thomas. And I'm sure uh, the Broncos play Sunday. So I'm sure there will be uh, a tribute. If I don't know if they're on the road or not. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Um, I hadn't planned on discussing them this show. In perfect honesty. Which is I don't know if they're on the road or not. Um, I do know they play this week. Or they should play this week. Um, so I'm sure the first home game. Will be a Demarius Thomas tribute. Very fitting. That um, him and his family will be honored. I wouldn't be surprised if 88, I don't know who's wearing 88 now. Somebody, I think Noah Fant might have it, but I could be wrong about that. Um, it wouldn't shock me if 88's going up real soon into the Broncos ring of honor. Um, so like I said, absolutely tragic news. Like I said, struck the football world totally off guard. It was, it felt hoaxy at first, um, but unfortunately it is true. Uh, again, we lost, the football community lost the Marius Thomas at age 33. But now we are going to shift to a little bit, um, you know, to, to the sport Demarius loved and was very great at. We're going to talk about the NFL um, and a, a game last night um, that I planned on about halfway through it, having a Steelers bashing session, effectively having a funeral um, for Big Ben Roethlisberger, um, effectively condemning his career, effectively um Telling him you should have retired two two months ago when you thought about it the first time. I had had a plan. Um, about halftime, it was twenty three nothing. I was getting some Chinese food. I had a plan, you know. It was <laughs> when I'm telling you my opening block was good. I was ready to roll, and then the second half happened, and I don't know what happened. It was 
it might have been Mike Tomlin's greatest coaching job. It was almost, it was a miracle. It was just, you know, from 23 nothing in the first half to 28-13-ish in the second half. Uh, the Vikings are scoring 12. No, they got 26 right before halftime. But it was it was a massive flip. The Steelers at one point scored 20 unanswered. Um, the whole reason the Vikings won the game was two plays in the second half. The Vikings really only made two plays in the entire second half. And that was the bomb to KJ Hamler, um, KJ Osborne, my apologies, and the game-winning play when Harrison Smith punched the ball out of the tight end's hand because he had it. Been through an absolute rope. Um, perfectly placed between three people on a line with some force. Been through an absolute frozen rope um, through that gap. Hit the tight end in the hands, but uh, Harrison Smith made a great play. Um, made an absolutely great play on it, knocked it out, and um, and stopped what was looking to be an all-time Thursday night comeback. Like I said, down 23, I think 26 nothing at one point. Um, scored 20 unanswered. Then KJ Osborne catched the pass. Then Ben scores. Yeah, so it was it was a spectacular moment, spectacular game. Um, the first half exemplified what the Steelers are at their worst. And they started and ended the same way. They started with an inability to run the ball consistently. So what did that do? Put, they changed midstream. Okay, forget handing the ball out to run it. We're gonna throw quick passes to run it. We're gonna bubble screen, we're gonna tunnel screen, we're gonna RPO, we're gonna throw a little flare so Najee Harris to get him the ball in space. You know, we're, we're gonna, instead of a traditional hand the ball off or pitch it run scheme, we're gonna shift to a modern run scheme, like kind of an air raid run, where you know the air raid coach will say that three yard hitch is their run. Um, that's what they became to do tunnel screens and bubble screens and you know, all that sort of stuff to try and get the ball to players in space with the goal of, um, with the goal rather of getting the ball in open space, effectively treating it like their run game. Um, and it did not work in the first half. They had a smooth zero. And honestly, I don't think at any point they were threatening the Minnesota Vikings to score a lot of points. Like I said, a smooth, nice, hard zero was what Pittsburgh had. Um, and at no point in that game that I feel Minnesota was threatened in the first half. Uh, you had guys joking that Minnesota had the greatest offensive line in the history of football. They were creating massive holes for everybody. It wasn't just Dalvin Cook uh, would find a backside gap somewhere and show off his vision or whatever. No, they, the front of the play where everybody and their you know, significant other and their grandma knows it's going through the B-hole gap. And they was clearing out a semi-truck width of a B-gap. It was tremendous offensive line work. They were dominating the Steelers off the ball. TJ Watt's injury did not help the situation at all, but they were dominating the Steelers' uh, defensive for front seven, really. Really putting in work uh, to keep Dalvin Cook free, to keep uh, the backup running back, whose name escapes me, and I apologize to him for that, to keep him free as well. Um, and then Justin Jefferson. Um, I don't know if Pittsburgh, like, didn't know or... I don't know if they just didn't think it was important. I don't know. But Adam Thielen didn't play. So, let's just say you work at a, I don't know, tax firm. You've got two main tax accountants. 
that everyone knows you have to pay attention to. Uh, correction, you work at a brokerage firm. And you have two main brokers. And these brokers are the ones that the bosses feed all the big intel to, all the big clients to, whatever. Because these two brokers are really, really good at their job. Okay. And one of the brokers calls in sick. Can't be there, not there. Tony isn't there in the biggest quarter, in the, at the end of the biggest quarter of the year. And all you got is Justin Jefferson, the tax accountant, the broker. And all of a sudden, the boss gives him all the love and all the shine. Everybody knows, even though, yeah, even though Adam, the other broker, is out, Justin will be able to carry the load. At a rival firm, all you got to do is disrupt Justin. You don't have to guard, and you don't have to defend against Adam or defend against the third or fourth or fifth best guy. You just got to defend against Justin. And they let Justin have what was looking to be a record-breaking type quarter. I mean, Justin Jefferson was destroying the Steelers. Dalvin Cook was destroying the Steelers, especially in the first half. Now, in the second half, they were able to get both of them a little under control. So, all-time adjustment chess move by Mike Tomlin to get those guys under control to figure out how they were attacking them with, with that offensive line and to find a way to neutralize that attack. But, and in the second half... Kirk Cousins throws two of the five picks he's thrown all season. Big Ben turns back the hands of the clock about a decade. He's firing balls everywhere. He's running first downs. Um, you didn't really see his age until he did run. You know, then it looked like he was a quarterback nearing 40 who never took care of his body. But up, up until that in the second half, it was an all-time performance by Big Ben. It was, it was dare I say, Brady-esque. It was, dare I say... Montana-esque, dare I say Roethlisberger-esque. Um, it was an amazing um, comeback by um, the Steelers because they were able to fight and push against a very game Minnesota team that seems to always mess these games up. And I thought that Pittsburgh's going to clutch another one. Like I said, it comes down to that final drive. And, of course, people are talking about the clay, the clay, the Chase Claypool celebration, um, which wasted several seconds. He didn't get up looking for the ref to toss the ball to. He got up to his first down celebration. Then the ball was knocked out of his hands. He thinks it was by a teammate. Not video evidence starting to say that potentially a uh, opposing player, potentially a Vikings player, uh, when he had it arguing with his teammate, basically, um, when he had it, knocked out of his hand because the ref can't set it you know you can't hike the ball but in that situation the clock's gonna keep running and so you know you had a guy's knocking the ball out which again was a uh, pretty smart and claypool did something that wasn't great he decided to like i said celebrate the first down instead of hurry up and getting the ball to the ref which he deflected today uh, did not hold accountability for that at all. And then, you know, you get down the field and you need those four or five seconds he kind of gave away. You could have used on the back end. Um, you know, that play took less than eight seconds, which is the play that ultimately was knocked out of uh, the tight end's hands and lost the game. That play took less than eight seconds. Even if you have, if you have another 10 seconds, you win that game. You know, that play took less than 13 seconds. They hiked it at three, add another five to ten seconds it still took less than eight to eight seconds definitely that's 13 seconds you have another shot at winning the game 
Um, so that was a situation that Pittsburgh ultimately found themselves in, but they spotted a very solid team in the Vikings 26 points and almost made the comeback. So kudos to Pittsburgh for always making the comeback, but they do not deserve kudos for the way that the game started. Uh, at a certain point, it was laughable. I tweeted out that, you know, the Steelers are aware they're supposed to cover Justin Jefferson and tackle Dalvin Cook, right? Like, it, it was just, it was bad. But I'm glad it was able to um, become a game there. It got really exciting there towards the end. Uh, but Minnesota pulled it out. Um, very emotional win for Minnesota. Kind of a deflating loss for Pittsburgh, considering how they just came off of beating um, the Ravens in the manner that they did. You know, standing up at the goal line stand for the two-point conversion. They come out and lay an absolute egg especially in the first half against the Minnesota Vikings. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. But in breaking news, the Lions won a game for the first time in 364 days, one day shy of a year. The Lions won a game on Sunday. Um, those same Minnesota Vikings that we're talking about almost blew the game last night, almost blew the game Sunday to they did well the game Sunday to the Lions. Um, the Lions were having the worst close game luck in history. They were like 0-7-1 in one possession games, which is outrageous to consider. Um, but they won a game, and it came down to the end. One play. I don't know what defense the Minnesota Vikings were running. They allowed all the receivers to run into the end zone. But the Detroit receiver that caught the touchdown ran to the middle between two Lions, two Vikings defenders, rather and stopped. He didn't even make a concerted effort to keep running. He found a soft spot in a very interesting zone coverage and sat down in that spot, received the pass from Jared Goff, and they won the game. Um, you know, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown. It, it's just very, 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 very interesting. The defense, the, uh, the Vikings side to deploy. Um, it led to Detroit winning their first game in 364 years, 364 days rather. And this is coming off the tragedy in Michigan with the high school uh, mass shooting and Dan Campbell de dedicated the game ball to that area. Um, and it's just, it's a wild moment. That was Jared Goff's first win as an NFL starting quarterback with his head coach not being Sean McVay. That was Dan Campbell's first win as an NFL head coach as of the Lions. Um, they break this very awful schneid they were on. It's just a lot of things were happening well for Detroit, and they took advantage of it. Um, this puts a lot of questions on the Kirk Cousins and the Mike Zimmer, um, which is the quarterback and the head coach of the Vikings, respectively. It throws a lot of interesting scenarios towards them. We we're hearing both are gone. We've hearing both are back. We've been hearing one or the other, um, which is you know one's fired, one's gone. And the other is there to lead with whomever the new person, the new spot is. And so um, it's a lot of stuff to unpack about that Lions win. Uh, they're still in line for the first seed in the NFL, but they do avoid 0-17. Um, so I guess there's a lot of positive there if you're a Lions fan. But way to mess that up, Minnesota. It was an absolute disaster in the last play. Really, the last few minutes were a disaster for um were an absolute disaster for them. So, huge win for the Lions for a multitude of reasons. But let's let's let, let's talk about the other team's last game too. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers just Sunday night. 
you know, and it was going like Steelers and Ravens games go. You know, physical, low scoring. Um, I spoke about it. I, as one of the things I hit in Jack's pack, we went three and two this week. We'll talk about it later. Um, I said four and a half felt a little big in this rivalry. I was like, I don't care who was getting the four and a half. Four and a half felt massive. I'm like, unless we're talking like those Raven teams with Joe Flacco winning four games a year. And I think even those teams were playing pretty good Pittsburgh teams close. Four and a half points felt massive. Um, in the point spread, we definitely nailed that one. But I, I, you guys know how I feel about Lamar. And if you don't, I'm going to give you a quick recap. I believe Lamar is the greatest athlete, the greatest raw athlete to ever play the position of quarterback. Um, he's got pretty good arm strength. He is the most electric with his feet. It's like if Barry Sanders figured out how to throw. You remember that Madden Ultimate Team car where, where Walter Payton was at quarterback? It's kind of what it feels like. You know, it feels like you have this all-time athlete who can also throw and play the quarterback position playing quarterback. It's not like, you know, it's not Taysom Hill. It's not Tim Tebow. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not Denard Robinson. It, it, it Lamar is a very legitimate quarterback. Um, better athlete than quarterback, but a very legitimate quarterback. And he has an MVP. Unanimous. So I hold him to those standards. He has to make a throw to Mark Andrews. He has to. He has to develop rapport and be able to hit receivers and targets other than Mark Andrews. Because he could throw the ball to Mark Andrews, it feels like 40 years downfield while fading the wrong direction. And it's a perfect spiral dot right to Mark Andrews. It might not might think it there on time, but it's going to find its way right above Mark Andrews' face. He's got to make that throw to win the game. Now, when it happened, um, I said, no way Baltimore gets this. No way. Because I don't think you can run. So if you can't run against Pittsburgh's defense from the three, you think about it, from the three-yard line, you know, you don't get it, the game's over, you do get it. You're a massive. You have to put the ball in Lamar's hands. So I don't think calling a design run of any sort is the way to go here. And then you put the ball in Lamar's arm instead of his athletic ability, and you saw what happened. He was flustered a little bit. Inaccurate pass to Mark Andrews. Andrews did a great job even touching it. And the game is over. Lamar effectively blew the game. I'm not in a position. I'm not here to bash Lamar. I'm not here to rake him over the coals. I'm not here to tell you, oh, Lamar is this overrated player. Because he's not. Lamar's amazing. He can retire right now and be in the hall of very interesting. Wherever Michael Vick resides, that's where Lamar resides currently. Um, and so, all-time level talent. But he's got to clean up those mechanics. He's got to clean up the ability to hit guys when he needs to. He's got to clean up the ability to be a little off-platform um, and not design. So, not rolling to your right, practicing that roll to your right throw 50 times. I'm talking like QJ Watt had made him off-platform on the ball sales. Uh, repeatable mechanics or something he needs to develop as well. Something where he can repeat this same motion over and over and over and over and over again. Where his feet and his hips and his shoulders and his head are all together over and over and over again. Um, and so that's definitely something he's going to have to work on because um, he absolutely missed Mark Andrews in a big division game. Um, luckily for them, Cincinnati got thrashed by um the chargers otherwise you're looking at a very interesting situation in the afc north potentially with cincinnati taking back over the division 
So Baltimore is teetering right now, but they're going to have to get it together. I believe Lamar will have a big game this week um, because he usually does right after something goes wrong. He, he's, he's in an interception kind of streak right now. He's got to get that under control. But all in all, um, great win for the Steelers. Poor, poor execution and play calling and decision making for the Ravens. Um, losing to a four and a half point underdog Steelers team. Um, the return of Russell freaking Wilson. Hello. Uh, that show he put on against the San Francisco 49ers was vintage Russell Wilson. Everything you love about Russell Wilson, that show that he put on, forget game, forget whatever. That show he put on was vintage Russell Wilson. It had everything. It had scrambling. It had deep passes. It had passes you thought had no chance of getting there because of how high they went um drop it in the bucket it had mobility it had um everything you would want in a russell wilson performance this game exemplified that and it showed that russell wilson still has it it's weird we were questioning that at one point um especially coming right off the finger injury we were in the media the whole and fans and you know we're questioning russell wilson still had it um, if he's available this offseason, there's a very few franchises. You remember the quarterback six group I had or whatever? Um, that I said, regardless of their situation, you cannot trade your quarterback unless somebody else in this group. Russell Wilson's in that group. You know, that's Kyler. That's Lamar. That's now Joe Burrow. I have to edit a little bit. That's Joe Burrow. That's Brady. Uh, take Deshaun Watson out of it. Throw in Matt Stafford. Um, you know, that's the Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Aaron Rodgers and now Russell, Russell Wilson. There's about seven guys. It, unless you're trading for another one of the seven, you lost the trade if you trade that guy. And you're about to get to the point, I think, Seattle's going to make him available in trade and he's going to move on from Seattle. But Russell Wilson has had a great week last week. Hopefully, he can put multiple wins together. They're four and eight right now with an outside shot at the playoffs because they can, I think, nine and eight would get you in the NFC. And so that would require them to go the rest of the year undefeated. Defense didn't play great against San Fran, but nobody really has. But Seattle put a stop to a very game uh, San Francisco football uh, team, San Francisco 49ers team. The most interesting game, the battle for first place in the AFC East. Patriots going to the game. Patriots win the game. They're 9-4, sole possession of the first place at the AFC. Bills win the game. They're 8-4, and, and they enter that four-way tie. Um, with, and it would be all four division winners of the AFC had the exact same record um, after 12 games or 13 weeks. That's what was on the line. And it was an absolute, I don't even know what to describe it as. Like, it was a snowstorm at first. It was uh, 20 Five to 30 mile an hour, sustained winds, gusts up to 55. Pre-game, you had snow flurries, so it was like a blizzard, like something out of a movie. Um, like the uh, Cold Miser or something, Jack Frost or something, where the where the wind blows and whips the snow. I mean, it was, if it wasn't a football game about to be played, I would almost say it's movie-esque, where it's just this blizzarding hailstorm. You know, it's just this bad storm, and... You had guys warming up in those sleeves, namely, Mark, namely David Andrews. Um, and, you know, you got to get ready to play for a football game. And then you have that happening all around you. 
And then when you get to game time, the snow stops, but the wind's still there. So we had punts. Um, the Patriots put one in the air, and it moved off the punter. So when he dropped it, the ball moved. He hits it, and it goes into the air, and then the wind catches it again and throws it out of bounds. Um, you had Josh Allen had a couple of passes that I thought he was going to hit, keep flying because they're getting caught in the wind. The opening kickoff was put nine or ten rows deep into the uh, stands. I mean, it was it was a pretty wild occurrence. Um, all the players post game talk about they'll never they've never played in weather like that before. It was it was ridiculous. It was wild. What was even wilder was Mac Jones went two for three for third for 19 yards and won the game. Yes, the New England Patriots won a football game with three pass attempts. Three. Not 30, not 13, not 23. Three. There was a Jono Smith uh, PA rollout pass. That was the screen, and I don't even remember the other one. But it was three total passes from the New England Patriots. It was the ultimate game of we're not going to mess up and we're going to win. And, you know, it felt like we're going to go into this game, and if we don't turn the ball over, they can't beat us. They did have one kind of turnover. Nikhil Harry got hit in the face mask with a ball. And the Bills jumped on it. It was a very close call. I would have said he hit it with his helmet. I had people tell me they stay. wouldn't have said that. So if he got that much, that much of wide range, um, wide range statements, and they all pretty much feel the same way, maybe for different reasons, um, that the issue was probably true. But the Patriots came out there, like I said, three pass attempts, and they ran the ball. At one point, they ran the ball 31 straight times. Um, Mac Jones, mid third quarter, I believe, had more rushing attempts than um, passes. It was it was spectacular. It was mind blowing to see. The game time was around two hours and forty some odd minutes. Um, it was great. It was it was just. I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm trying to trying not to you know say anything too wild as a Patriots fan, but it, it, it served the Bills right. Uh, and it made it even better post-game when they asked uh, Sean McDermott, head coach of the Bills, did Bill out-scheme you? And his response was something smug along the lines of, let's not give Bill too much credit, um, which he absolutely dominated you. So you kind of have to give Bill credit there. Uh, Micah Hyde and our fellow teammate, was incredibly upset with a media reporter because he asked them post game was that loss embarrassing and, and they both went off which tells me it was embarrassing um matt judon of the patriots cut a couple of jokes at mac jones saying that they didn't need him anybody can hand the ball off i mean it was an all-time schemed up moment from josh mcdaniels and Belichick on just how to beat that buffalo team in those weather conditions and bill came in after the game this why we practice in that bleep because that way you're prepared for effectively anything. They had plans and counter plans. What was working? Who can work in the snow? What wasn't working? And it was just absolutely um, all time spectacular. 
But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL Week 14 and talk about some very important matchups that's happening there. guys and welcome back into the show and i am absolutely excited about this what's going down um nfl week 14 it's it's gonna be huge it's gonna be an absolute massive game um several massive games we're gonna talk about a few of them we're gonna start off with the just forementioned or tease uh, Ravens-Browns game, which I expect a bounce-back game from the Ravens. We will not pick it. It is in Jack's pack. You guys know the rules. If it's in Jack's pack, we don't pick them in this segment. We wait till Jack's pack uh, to give you our winners. Um, but Ravens-Browns are a huge game. It's an interdivisional game. Anytime you have a division game, it's massive. Now, the Ravens just lost a divisional game, as we discussed, to the Steelers by a point, 20-19, um, with an opportunity for Lamar Jackson to win the game 21-20 uh, by executing a two-point conversion, which ultimately was not done. Um, and now you get a Browns team that's kind of reeling right now. They don't know what they want to be. They don't know if they want to be a good team, a bad team. You know, you're, they're still answering Baker Mayfield or still asking Baker Mayfield questions without providing many answers. Um, so it's, it's two teams that are kind of on opposite sides of the spectrum. Baltimore is trying to ramp up for a potential Super Bowl opportunity and a potential Super Bowl run. If you look at Cleveland, they're trying to just get in the playoffs. Like I said, they're in, and they're trying to figure out, Baltimore knows they have their guy, even though they haven't paid Lamar. They know they have their guy. Cleveland, on the other hand, doesn't know if Baker Mayfield is the guy, and they have to answer the pay questions soon. Um, so you, and you look at these two teams, uh, even stylistically, they're a little different. For instance, Ravens run the ball, but it's a quarterback-based run game. If you contain Lamar's legs, the Ravens' rushing attack kind of falls apart. Juxtapose that to the Cleveland Browns, they're protecting their quarterback with their run game, uh, with Nick Chubb, with Dearness Johnson, with Kareem Hunt. They're protecting their quarterback with their run game and asking Baker Mayfield to not use um, what athleticism he does possess often. Um... And so it's just you look at how these two teams are handling um, their situations, and it is very um, intriguing what is happening between the two teams. Um, and so it's a very huge game. Like I said, the Bengals are right there. So if you look at a Cleveland, they're saying to themselves, I mean, look at a Baltimore rather, they're saying to themselves, not only are we no longer the one seed, we are absolutely. Uh, staring down potential disaster if we end up in a wild card game if we end up the wild card team because cincinnati is right at our heel right and so baltimore is uh staring down a potential disaster back-to-back division losses would be detrimental to the team's hope of winning that division um because then you would kind of take some tiebreakers out of your own hands that means they would have lost to cincinnati pittsburgh and then cleveland so a humongous game um for both sides again we would not pick it because of it being in jack's pack um but 
we will definitely discuss a little further in the next segment. Shifting gears to another intra-divisional game. This time, we're switching conferences. We're going NFC East, uh, Cowboys and Washington football team. Uh, this game is massive. We will pick it. It is not in Jack's pack. Um, the Cowboys are two games up on Washington, and they play Washington two times in the next three weeks. Um, so these games can't be bigger. And the NFL did this correctly. They put division games at the end. So everyone's guaranteed a division game week 18 now. Um, but a lot of times they've been backloading division games just in general because you want that what, what we have now, Washington two games back. Well, they play Dallas twice in the next two weeks, in the, twice in the next three weeks. So if they win both games, they make up the gap automatically and possess the tiebreaker against the Dallas Cowboys. It is huge with five games left to play a team you're back two games twice. Juxtapose that to Dallas. They beat Washington one time and the division's over. Because then you would have a three-game lead. If they say they beat Washington Sunday, they have a three-game lead with four left. It would take an all-time epic collapse playing strictly effectively. As they have one outside division game, Dallas does the rest of the year. Washington doesn't. Washington last five are all NFC East. Um, Dallas, I think, plays one outside of the division. It would take an absolute collapse um, for Dallas if they were to... Um, beat Washington Sunday for them to lose the division ultimately. And I'm talking all-time collapse. It would have to be a collapse of epic proportions um, for the Dallas Cowboys to blow that opportunity. We've seen crazier, haven't we? We've seen crazier uh, throughout this league. And and, and I'm going to pick crazy. I'm going to go with the Washington football team here. I think Washington will make this a one-game race. Um, I think they'll show up to the second matchup one game apart. Um, and so because of that, I think Washington football team will win on Sunday, 325 on Fox, um, or 425 Eastern time. But the but the primetime window, the second game window on Fox, um, is going to be a spectacular game. And I'm picking the Washington football team because of Taylor Heineke. Yes, I know that sounds absolutely insane. But he tends to play really, really well against big-time opponents. You saw the long drive he did to keep Tom Brady off the field. It was masterful. It was a masterpiece. You saw what he did to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. You saw what he did in his last big game. Washington, he's made 500 grand from winning in the past few weeks. So Taylor Heineke is doing a very good job at the quarterback position. Um, is he the guy long term? No. But is he a hell of a guy right now? Absolutely. Um... The, the defense, minus Chase Young, unfortunately, due to an ACL, starting to round in the form a little bit. They're going to be without Logan Thomas. That could be a problem, but let's be honest. They hadn't had Logan Thomas pretty much all year. And so I think the Washington football team will upset the Dallas Cowboys. I believe the point spread is five and a half for Dallas. But I could be wrong about that. That's, that's the number sound like off the top of my head. Five and a half for Dallas. Um, and so I, I personally... Um, we're going to go with the Washington football team here to upset the Dallas Cowboys. Falcons at Panthers. Same conference, different division. And he's going to go to the NFC South uh, with two teams with, the, I believe, the exact same record. Um, both trying to get wild card spots into the NFC. Um, 
and the Falcons will, I mean, the Falcons two and a half point favorites. Why do I know this? Because it is in Jack's pack, and we will not pick it uh, right this second. Um, of course, because, you know, it's in Jack's pack. But we will discuss a little bit. And one of the things that I am uh, seeing in this game is that it is the old rivalry. It is Matt Stafford and the Falcons. is Matt Ryan, rather, and the Falcons versus Cam Newton and the Panthers. Um, last year, saying that statement would have been near blasphemy i mean i don't think anybody thought that cam was gonna ever end up back in carolina um oh, i'm sorry the falcons two and a half point underdogs my apologies um and so i don't think anybody would have said that and been taken seriously cam didn't be back in the panthers last year um but that's where we're at right now it's a very important game for both teams like i said both teams i believe have the exact same record and they are trying to fight for a playoff spot, a wild card spot in the NFC. Um, for the Panthers, you no longer have Joe Brady's offensive coordinator. He was fired by Matt Rule, um, and a, a longtime Rule assistant was promoted up. Um, for Cam Newton, he took a little bit of that blame. He's like, players have to produce for coaches. So Cam wasn't producing. Plain and simple. And I thought the Cam Newton move would have actually given the staff an out in a way. Like, oh, he doesn't know the offense. So how do you expect him to play well? Like, he doesn't know kind of thing. But Darnold also didn't play well. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey's been hurt. So it is a, it's, a, it's a very interesting moment and a very interesting time right now in Carolina with um, the firing of Joe Brady, like I said. And then you host Atlanta, a scrappy team. Both teams have – Carolina has a great defense. Atlanta has an explosive offense. Uh, Carolina's offense can be better, to be kind. Um, Atlanta's offense can be way better, to be kind. Atlanta's defense, rather, can be way better, to be kind. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup, strength on strength, weakness on weakness, um, and we're going to see who comes out. We're going to talk about that game, like I said, in Jack's pack. Uh, third game. Oh, it's another big game. We're not going to pick it right now. We're going to wait until Jack's pack. And that is San Fran versus Cincinnati. Um, now, this game is huge because it is a cross-conference game. In the NFC's West uh, San Francisco 49ers versus the AFC North Cincinnati Bengals. And this game has major implications for both teams. Now, I believe the Bengals are a playoff team. I do not believe the 49ers are one. But if the 49ers win this game, they're going to have a big leg up in that discussion. Um, in terms of which of these teams we get in, um, the 49ers, you know, they have... Arizona, number one seed in the division. You're not catching Arizona. You got Matt Stafford and the Rams, who would be, I believe, the number one seed if they didn't play in the uh, NFC West. You're probably not catching them. So they're trying to fight for one of the last two wildcard spots in San Francisco. It's a huge game for them. It's a huge game for Kyle Shanahan, Jim Garoppolo, and the rest of that uh, brain trust in San Francisco because they're all trying to prove something to the owner, Jared York. Um... You know, there's a pretty good football team around Jimmy Garoppolo, but is he the guy to lead it? They don't think so. They went out and moved heaven and earth to get Trey Lance. Question number two, and the more important question right now is, is Kyle Shanahan the guy? He's had two runs to the Super Bowl. He's blown them both, mostly with coaching. Um, He seems very quarterback dependent. Um, Matt Ryan was an MVP the year he was there. Matt Ryan hasn't been that since. Jimmy Garoppolo is at his best with Kyle Shanahan as well. But without either of those quarterbacks, Kyle Shanahan goes into the tank. Um, and we see guys like Mike Tomlin have Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges for a year and go 8-8. Eight and eight. 
Kyle Shanahan without Matt Ryan or Jimmy Garoppolo is in the 20-something as far as win percentage. Um, it is horrid uh, how he coaches without one of those two guys. So it's a, it's a big year. It's a big game uh, for multiple reasons. San Francisco could use the leg up. But at the same time, Cincinnati just got embarrassed. Um, Joe Burrow done with a hand thing, a pinky thing. But it, the Bengals got embarrassed by this Los Angeles Chargers, who went into their building, threw a party all over them, uh, went 141-22, you know what I'm saying, in Cincinnati, and flat out embarrassed the Bengals. Um, so I expect this to be a very hotly contested uh, game. Bills at Bucks, another game where the conferences are crossed. We have the AFC East Bills, fresh off their embarrassing loss to the Patriots, but beating, getting beat by three pass attempts. And the Tampa and the NFC South Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending champions themselves. Um, a game that we will pick. It is not in Jack's pack. I have the Bills winning this game. This game is the season for the Bills. The Bills schedule in the back end is not easy. And if you give New England a clear-cut two-game lead plus playing you again, this time in Foxborough, um, you can hang the division up. And so this is a massive game for the Bills. The back, the middle of the AFC is charging, trying to get playoff spots. That's the Bengals. That's the Chargers. That's the Raiders. That's the Broncos. That, you know, that is several good teams. That's Cincy. That's Cleveland. You know, that's potentially Baltimore. You know, Pittsburgh is in that mess, um, too, trying to get a spot. The AFC is loaded um, with good teams. Not all of them are great, but very good teams are everywhere. Indianapolis, I forgot about those guys. Indy, Tennessee may end up in a wild card chase too, depending on how the rest of the season goes. So it's it's gonna be very compacted. And if you're a Buffalo, and I spoke about Cincinnati a minute ago, winning these games are the way to win. Tampa doesn't need to win this game. Tampa's biggest threat in the division is either Taysom Hill, Saints, Cam Newton's Panthers, or Matt Ryan's Falcons. None of them are threats to them in terms of sustaining the level of success we would need to catch Tampa Bay. And so Tom Brady's breathing easy. He doesn't need this game. He wants it because the higher you get in the playoffs, the more likely you are to host the playoff game. He wants the one seed, made the road come to Tampa Bay. Yes, he wants. But at this current moment, he has no threat in the division. So I'd be very interested to see the level of immediate effort from Tampa Bay. They kind of play to their situation. Not necessarily onto their opponent. But they'll have played to their situation. So if they need the victory, they play really high from the jump. If they don't necessarily need the victory, they'll come out flat a little bit. If they don't necessarily need the victory, Buffalo's in desperate need of it. I'm going to go Buffalo here to win this game by about six because uh, they're in dire need of winning. And then the Bucks secondary, or lack thereof, lends well to Josh Allen and the Bills offense. They'll just throw, 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 throw. And you won't be in the Buffalo conditions. Rather, you'll be in Tampa Bay where the weather should be a lot more manageable. And finally, Rams and Cardinals won't pick it in Jack's pack. The battle of the kings of the NFC West. Um, the Cardinals feel like the new kids on the block and the Rams feel like the OGs because the Rams are running the division before the Cardinals showed up. And it's a huge game for multiple reasons. If you're Arizona, you would own the sweep tiebreaker over the Cardinals. I mean, I mean over the Rams. That's massive. That can't get bigger. Because then even the Rams would have to not only catch you, but pass you in wins in order to take the seed from you. So it could be 
a 14 and 3 or 13 and 4 Cardinals and a 13 and 4 Rams. And the Rams are the fifth seed and the Cardinals are the one seed. I mean, this is how massive this game is. It cannot be understated um, from these two teams. And I am incredibly excited to watch it. Again, we will not pick it because it isn't Jack's pack. But you've got, you know, Kyler versus Stafford. You've got D-Hop versus Odell. You've got Cliff versus Sean. So I, I am very interested in watching uh, this contest to see who, in fact, um does come out um who in fact does win the game um so we will be picking that just shortly in jack's pack but speaking of we are now going to transition to our nfl betting segment jack's pack Welcome back into the show, and now we are going to have our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack, where, of course, you guys know we pick a five-pack of games, um, and then we dive in from there. So we pick a five-pack of games, um, point spread, NFL games. We do our best every year. Uh, This is our second year doing this. First year, we didn't have a great year. Started off great earlier in the season. Uh, kind of came down to earth a little bit. Now we're picking back up. Um, so we kind of had kind of a, a, a parabola or bold. We went five and zero, then four and one, then zero and five, then one and four, then two and three. Last week we were three and two, so we kind of come back out of the bowl, um, and we're a little bit under fifty percent in regards to um, in regards to our total record this year. As of right now, we are uh, sitting. We are sitting at 46%. So the betting line we want to be at is 57%. So we have a little work to do over the rest of the season. But let's jump right into it. Um, first game, my favorite number of the week is the Baltimore Ravens plus two and a half at the Cleveland Browns. Take the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they were a good team that has been hearing all week. We, we've been, now we're hearing again. Oh, Lamar, 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 Lamar throwing, throwing, throwing. I, hell, I mentioned it. Lamar's throwing. Was the first thing, was the first thing that popped up because when they stopped his legs, his arm couldn't win the game. Um, losing to a division rival. Was that the right call? We're questioning coaching. We're questioning ability. We're questioning play selection. We're questioning situational awareness. We're questioning a lot of things about the Ravens this morning. Um, and so they're going to come out, I think, with their hair on fire and flat out, and flat out beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, but Ravens plus two and a half would be the side I would choose there. Falcons plus two and a half at the Carolina Panthers. Take the Falcons. I did not understand this line at all. The Falcons, I, I didn't get it. I get it on the road, but you're saying that the Panthers in this case would be or equal. I mean, they're equal to the Falcons. I mean, the records are the same. I just didn't get the line. Um, Atlanta's playing pretty solid football. Did anybody watch Cam Newton the past couple of weeks? I love Cam. 
I love Cam. I mean, you remember when the Mac Jones Cam thing was going on? I said Cam was great. Keep him, keep him in New England. Like I haven't seen anything in the game that would suggest that Mac overtakes him. Because in my mind, it was hell if it's close. Go with the vet. Because in certain situations, like the Miami game week one, the vet would have been able to control the game a little better than the rook could. Now, could Cam have done what Mac did against the Bills, which is throw three times? I don't know. They might have unleashed Cam a little more because Cam's arm is bigger. Who knows? That's a moot point now. But, you know, Cam played horrible. Camden was the worst quarterback in the league last year, uh, last week. It was terrible. Now, will he, will he bounce back? I assume he'll play better. But as there's no reason for right now for me to pick Atlanta not to cover and win the game. Plus two and a half felt like easy money. Uh, still felt like easy money. Pick Atlanta. 49ers at Bengals. Bengals plus one and a half. Another underdog. Taking and roll with it. Um, I think also the Bengals will win this game flat out. They're a good team. They got embarrassed. And you guys know my rule about good teams that get embarrassed. They usually bounce back. Um, I, the 49ers are going through some injury issues on defense. The Bengals offense was got embarrassed. Jamar Chase had a major drop that directly led to a pick. That was a touchdown. Like, that was a touchdown. It was the safety wasn't there. He had beat the corner. Joe laid it perfectly out there. It hit Jamar in the hands, bounced back right into the DB's hands, and a touchdown turned into a pick. Um, Joe Mixon flat out dropped the ball against against the Chargers, led to another touchdown. So add take four. I mean, it was 41-22 make it 34 29 and there was other plays in there that the Bengals just were terrible on so they were a good team got embarrassed at home they're playing at home again they've been listening to the media and the sports talk radio and interviewers ask them how do they feel about it i'm sure they're gonna bounce back Four now traveling across country i believe it's an early window game i've got the cincinnati Bengals winning this game uh by about three or four rams at Cardinals, Cardinals minus two and a half. I love this number. Uh, jump all over Arizona here. This was a beautiful number from the NFL. If it was three, three and a half, stay away from it. But two and a half, it's a beautiful number because it's 27-24. You see what I'm saying? You see, you see how likely of a score that is? Three, anything less than three is a beautiful number for a favorite. Um, and so can I see the Arizona Cardinals winning that game? By three, by four, absolutely. Now, if you, like I said, if you if you at your local sports book, sports book, if you're getting it at three and a half, um, stay away. Three feels like a hook play, but you could do it. Um, but two and a half is a beautiful number for the uh, Arizona Cardinals in order to um, cover that game and win. Uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. And lastly, we've got the Seattle Seahawks minus eight and a half at the Tennessee Titans, er, at the Houston Texans. My apologies. Uh, take the Seattle Seahawks here, swallow the eight and a half. The Texans are starting Davis Mills from here on out. That was announced today. Uh, now the Seahawks are down Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams isn't a master at safety. He's a, he's a monster linebacker effectively. Um, and so I expect to see a lot of Quandre Diggs maybe filling the role. But there is Seattle's rolling, and they know what they're playing for. And if you can get Davis Mills in a situation when he has to throw, 
you have a great opportunity in order to beat him um, and to really put some points on him, that Houston defense, um, who just cuts that Cunningham. So, Seattle minus 8.5 definitely feels like the side there. And just to give you guys a recap, you've got Ravens plus 2.5, Falcons of Ravens plus 2.5 over the Browns, Falcons plus 2.5 over the Panthers, uh, Bengals plus 1.5 over the Niners, Cardinals minus 2.5 over the Rams, and Seahawks minus 8.5 over the Texans. Up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. guys and welcome into the show or back into the show rather um we're gonna now jump into the nba i told you guys last week now that we uh have enough games under our belt in the nba we're gonna look at the standings as well when we start talking about the nba the same thing we did with the wnba the mlb you know after a while you check those standings out um, and so let's jump right into it in the East. We're going to read them out the top 10 because these are the teams that will be either in the playoffs or in the play-in tournament. And that is the Nets, Bulls, Bucks, Heat, Wizards, Cavs, 76ers, Hawks, Hornets, Boston would currently be in the play-in at 10. And out West, we have Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Memphis, Clippers, Lakers, Dallas, Denver, Timberwolves, and Sacramento. Again, with Sacramento being the 10th team uh, to qualify, and it would be obviously the bottom seed in the play-in tournament. Um, the Lakers, man, continue to be up and down. Very inconsistent. One game, they flash all this talent, all this uh, defense. They have a big moment. LeBron, Russ, and AD are doing their thing. They're knocking jumpers down. And then you have a game like last night where you look at the box score on their side, you probably think they won the game. Um, LeBron collected his 100th career triple-double, becoming the fourth player ever to do so. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook had a pretty good day in the office. And they lose to the John Morantless Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and so that is something that they, that they do. They have moments of greatness where they're this world-class team and a team you think can win a championship. And then they have moments like last night where they're a disappointment and they're a disaster. Uh, turnovers and missed free throws plague them all game. Uh, kudos to the Grizzlies for fighting. Um, and you got guys like AD talking about mentality, talking about they come into games. He said they feel like they come into games expecting to win them and expecting teams to lay down for them and teams aren't doing that. You know, that the Lakers used to come in with the underdog mentality because they're not producing wins right now. Um, not producing consistent wins. They're 13 and 13. And we talked about it before the season started. It's going to be a little rough. Guarantee that. I can guarantee that. 9 and 8 Miami Heat. Russell Westbrook's last two stops. Anthony Davis when he first showed up. It starts off a little rough when it comes to um, these guys and their teams. Russell Westbrook took two and a half months to figure out in Washington. He took a month in Houston. Uh, a month and a half in Houston. 
nine and eight. Remember the famous start for the Miami Heat when LeBron goes up to uh, Pat Riley and say Pat needs to come out and coach the team, and Pat ultimately sticks with Spolstra. All time decision from Pat Riley. Um, so you know they're gonna struggle, but now you have to start to see improvement. Now you've got a little youth coming in. You got Malik Monk playing more. THC obviously is out there. Kendrick Nunn's not back, but he's gonna be coming back soon. Russell Westbrook's the Energizer Bunny. You know he just keeps going. Um, but LeBron is playing his highest minute per average since the 2018-2017 season, and they're 13 and 13 with a pretty easy schedule so far. I believe they have OKC tonight or tomorrow, one or two, um, for the third time. You know, it's like they they, they gave the Lakers the easy schedule early, and they are 13 and 13. Then they haven't even done the Bucks. They haven't done the Nets. They haven't played a suddenly hot Houston team. They played Houston. They played Houston once, twice. Um, they haven't played some of the best teams, especially on the other side. You know, they have they played Boston once. You know, they haven't played the Knicks. They haven't. Oh, they did play the Knicks. LeBron was suspended. Um, you know, it's kind of like they kind of gave you an easy schedule, and then you're kind of squandering it. They, they didn't play the Bucks. Giannis destroyed Anthony Davis. Um, but you didn't. You're not stacking all these really good teams back to back to back. Instead, they kind of gave you bad teams or expected bad teams back to back to back. And the Lakers are blowing the opportunity um, right now. Speaking of blow, um, Zion Williamson had a blow doll effect, a blow up doll effect. Uh, um, uh, it just—he was like the Michelin Man one day, and then he was like the model for NBA Fitness the next. Um, and it was a photo. Come on, you got the all seen in the red jumpsuit. It was like, oh my God, Zion's 350 pounds. And then a report came out that at one point he was 330, and that he was 330, you know. And and, and then Swin Cash, who was amazing for the Pelicans, one of their best hires. I think that if David Griffin does lose his job, the next person needs to keep Swin Cash. She is great for the organization, great for the players, because she was she lived that life. Yes, she didn't live the NBA life. But she lived a similar lifestyle. She was one of the bigger stars in the WNBA at his heyday, uh, his, his previous heyday. So, you know, she knows what's going on. So she was like, the fact that someone would Photoshop, she made a Twitter post, um, the fact that someone would Photoshop a 20-year-old for clicks, likes, and stuff like that. And then, like, the next two, three days, we saw Zion with different people looking way smaller than that picture uh, suggested that he was. So, um, way smaller, way more fit than that picture when it appeared. I mean, like the picture was two of him. Um, if I had to guess his weight, I would say 270, 275. He looks a little smaller than he did at Duke, which at Duke, he was 280 something. 275, he was 280 in the NBA. I would guess he's around his Duke weight. He might be, he might be close to his Spartanburg high weight than his Duke weight, which would be great for the Pelicans. Um, cause that's uh, his ideal playing weight, probably his Duke weight. Um, so that would be huge for the Pelicans who are currently the worst team in the West, five games out of 10th um, is the mark they're looking for, or we're looking for as a Pelican fan. So five games out of 10th, uh, but currently holding the worst record in the West, obviously not having Zion Williamson, the major factor in that. And we have and we have two simultaneous COVID outbreaks in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls are dealing with it, led by DeMar DeRozan and four other guys. They are dealing with a COVID outbreak. And the uh, Charlotte Hornets are also dealing with one. LaMelo Ball is out. I believe Scary Terry is out um, with a COVID outbreak in their organization as well. Um, Masai Ujiri, president of the Raptors, has tested positive for COVID. The NBA expected this. They said post-Thanksgiving was going to be very 
was they were expecting like a spike then and they were expecting a spike post they are expecting a spike post christmas and new year's so they're expecting another spike um throughout the league that's hopefully calmed down by you know mid to late january and get everybody back on the court or at least as many people as possible um back on the floor um so hopefully the NBA can get that contained and we can get back to high quality basketball. I mean, we're having high quality basketball now, but getting back to, you know, teams being fully loaded that if it's an injury, it's an injury, but it's not COVID, you know. So that's what we're hoping to get back to real soon. But up next, we're going to have our best for last, which is going to be a quick chat about the Heisman Trophy and the college football playoff final rankings. Welcome back into the show. Welcome in the best for last. Um, where we're going to talk right now about the uh, college football. Workouts football is happening. Um, probably the last time we touch on college football for a few weeks. Just because, you know, between now and New Year's Day, who cares kind of thing. It's, it's sort of like they don't really, you know, it's bowl games on. But the college football playoffs, New Year's Day. Um, this is another big hire that we'll talk about them, obviously. But probably our last time touching on college football for a few weeks but the college football playoff has been announced it's number one alabama versus number four cincinnati they're going to play at an at&t stadium in dallas and then um number two michigan will play in the orange bowl um in miami florida uh against number three uh georgia the orange bowl sold out in 1980 minutes I believe I read, uh, I saw somewhere that they, they, the game sold out between Michigan and Georgia in 80 minutes. This is the best Michigan team ever. Um, outside of the 12 and 0 team, you pretty much have no argument. This is the greatest Michigan team of all time. They could get blown up by Georgia and they'd probably still hold that moniker in my brain. Definitely the best Michigan team of my lifetime, um, which is, I mean, I was born in 97, so definitely the best Michigan team of my lifetime. I actually believe that 12 and 0 team was the 97 team. Uh, now they were declared national champions. So, you know, but of my legitimate lifetime, I mean, they've played, they've probably played their national, they probably played their bowl game New Year's Day of 98. I was seven months old, you know, it's kind of like, all right, uh, of my watching history, this is by far the best Michigan team. This beats those in our Robinson teams. This beats those uh, Rich Rod teams. This beats those, um, you know, teams that almost beat Ohio State. Think about it. They they're six minutes away from going from being under unquestioned number one, um, because they'd have been thirteen and zero. They'd have been a Power Five champion thirteen and zero. They're six minutes away. By six minutes, I mean they had a bad six minute stretch against Michigan State, or they're the number one team playing Cincinnati, probably in Dallas or, or Miami. They fan had to try to be the way, so probably in Dallas, um, and probably Miami. To get those cold weather fans into the sun, probably Miami, um, but they but they but they draw Michigan instead. They draw Cincinnati instead of Georgia, uh, with a good chance to national championship game. So this is huge for Michigan, um, huge for Cincinnati. Group of five stand up um, because this is one of the things. This is going to give validation if Cincinnati cannot, 
Cincinnati doesn't get doesn't lose forty five to seven. You know, this will give validation to this group of five getting an automatic qualifier. Because if Cincinnati, let's say they don't win. Let's say they let's say it's thirty let's say it's forty one twenty seven. But it's a legitimate twenty seven. It's not forty one fourteen and then they get a couple garbage touchdowns. Like it's a legitimate it's thirty four twenty seven and Bama scores another touchdown with three minutes left to ice it. You know, that sort of forty one twenty seven. It gives credence to the group of five to get it. It gives them an argument in the room to get an automatic qualifier. Um, and so it is that is a huge uh, moment. And in the college playoff, there's two of the four Heisman candidates. Um, the four Heisman finalists are Alabama's Bryce Young, who I predict will win it. Um, and if and when he does, we will touch on it on the show. Don't, of course, Alabama's Bryce Young. Uh, Michigan's defensive end uh, Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, uh, who's now a potential number one overall pick, and Ohio State freshman quarterback C.J. Stroud, um, who I had as my Heisman favorite up until about a month ago. I thought Stroud was going to be the first true freshman to ever win it. Um, there was a little controversy in regards to a couple of the names. So, for instance, um, Aiden Hutchinson being in was a little bit controversial um many people thought that and myself included will anderson of alabama had the better season but will anderson played on a team with another heisman finalist and so who are you going to give the credit to on the team the defensive end or the quarterback ultimately it was the quarterback um took the bama vote basically um so that was only real controversy and then that was a small controversy by kenneth walker um but his team kind of trailed off at the end, and he ended up winning the Doe Walker a couple nights ago anyway, or last night, uh, anyhow. So he got the best running back award, which he deserved. He'll be a top. He'll be the best run, first running back off the board. He's by far and away the best running back in the class. Um, and so kudos to him. But my prediction, Bryce Young wins it fairly comfortably. Um, that last month, you lose to Auburn, Stroud has a chance. Right, but Stroud wasn't in his, his conference game either, so it kind of been like your lasting images were either Stroud getting outplayed by K. McNamara in Michigan, or Bryce Young being outplayed by at one point a one-legged T.J. Finley, um, a one-legged T.J. Finley. You know, both moments wouldn't have ended great. I probably would have leaned Stroud, um, because he he had a little less around him than they do at Alabama, so I probably would have leaned Stroud. Um, in my vote, but Bryce Young coming back against Auburn with that drive, outlasting Finley in overtime, then beating down Georgia after losing his uh, receiver um, due to ACL tear. Tremendous job by Bryce Young. Then some of the plays he made in the ace title game was that was his highest moment. He won it then. Uh, so I think Bryce Young's going to win it fairly comfortably. But that is all we have for today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Um, small little bit of news. Um, Darren Waller is out against the Chiefs due to a knee and back. And Richard Sherman has been activated off of injury reserve for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I hope you guys uh, have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out. <laughs>